0: the jv swing because we're not getting many of the big names but still a lot of fun to be had from a dfs perspective um famously enough as you might be able to tell just by looking at them spencer and david actually met each other officially at this very event so history is in the making of this event special things happen spence how you doing tonight
1: I'm doing well. Uh, yeah, it was a fun tournament last year. We saw Sung Jae hit an incredible shot right towards the very end, which was one of probably the best shots of the entire year. Uh, it's always fun at these tournaments. Uh, you know, like, obviously, I wish we would have gotten more of the field that we had gotten last year. This new schedule has switched up a lot of things, but there's still a lot of great players here. Ludwig O'Bear, I mean, I think he's a gen- generational talent at this point. Uh, you have the defending champion and Tom Kim, who is no slouch himself at, uh, the ripe age of 21 right now. So, uh, it's just a, it's a good tournament. It's going to probably be, you know, for the rest of these next couple of months here, this is probably gonna be one of the better ones that we have left, but, uh, fun tournament, fun course. I
0: think you said it right. While the talent for the most part is still a JV field. I think there's a lot of fun aspects that come with this tournament. Um, that make it a little bit more exciting to watch to get involved with with dfs to bet on so um of the tournaments in this swing i think this one is my favorite how about you david how you doing tonight and are you
2: excited for the shriners i'm good mate i'm good um yeah absolutely thrilled to to be back covering shriners again um had an awesome time of spence in vegas this time last year um you know Vegas is always fun. I've been I've traveled there from New Zealand five times, one of my favorite places in the world because there's just so much to do, weather's always good, and um we got to see some great golf. Um, unfortunately for Spence, you know, two of his favorites, Cantley and Jason Day, are not in this field this time, but um I know that we managed to, to see a bit of them. I got I got to see Danny Lee, um, the New Zealander before he defected to live. And um, yeah, Spence said, we got to see Sungjae hit just what for me, the best shot that I've ever seen in, in real life. Um, it was absolutely insane. He was down in the canyon area, couldn't see the pin at all, about 180 yards away, and stuck with iron to about, you know, six inches. Like, it was just absolutely insane, and, and the crowd crowd went wild. So that was definitely a highlight for me, as, as well as uh, purchasing all the merch. And also shout-out to Mr. Caesar from Caesar's Palace because – I paid eighty dollars for my hotel room, and it was my birthday when I landed in Vegas, and they upgraded me to some stupid suite that had just like four bathrooms, and I was like one guy staying in this uh, penthouse suite. So, Vegas is uh, close and dear to my heart, and very excited about the tournament this week.
0: Fun fact: the that Caesar's Palace is where the actual
2: Caesar actually stayed as well. So that's what they um, tell me. That yep. is what they tell me. Yeah, exactly.
0: <laughs> but speaking of welcoming back. Brent Harris, longtime listener of the show, back in the draft I think, you know what, Brent? I gotta be honest. The audience needed you last week. At the end of the draft, it was you know we were pulling teeth to get the picks in. We needed your energy in the chat. Even though the audience drafted a decent team, obviously they couldn't compete with me because I crushed everyone per usage. But the audience drafted a good team, Brent. Your presence is welcome back, and of course, we have the legend. The legend back in I Mets, Byron, in the chat as well. The audience from the first early look is absolutely loaded tonight. Will they come through with a winning team? Too d determined. But before we dive in, Spence, we're going to pet the team for the course breakdown. But you should have a little extra incentive because this is physically the closest course to where you physically live that you get to break down. So you should have the most insight that you have of any course because it's right around the corner. What are you looking for this week?
1: Yeah. It's the only course that I can talk about that I've actually played. I'm not an avid golfer by any means. A lot of what I do comes from a statistical perspective with it, but I have seen the course in person many times, which is always more exciting to break it down. So uh, it measures at 7,251 yards. It plays as a par 71. Bobby weed masterminded it on the rugged desert terrain in 1991. Fuzzy Zeller served as his consultant. You get this beautiful Las Vegas scenery. It encompasses a venue that meanders through arroyos and canyons. It's kind of what David was talking about. You get those canyons where Sungjae hit the shot of the year at last year. It generates this fun landscape for a golf course that does have random pitfalls looming for as easy as it is. You, know, you don't have to look any further than the 92 bunkers, the desert topography that's here. However, with all that being said, whatever you do get aesthetically from a visual perspective, You do lose on the opposite end of the spectrum when it comes to difficulty. The last five iterations of this contest have produced a winning total between 21 and 24 under par. You might notice a nine under par outlier in 2017. I would bypass that event from a modeling perspective since heavy winds ravaged the outcome. In fairness, you know, there are gusts that come in Vegas. I don't think it's going to happen this year. We've gotten a really calm last couple of weeks here. No reason for me to believe anything's going to change there. I haven't seen a weather forecast that would make me think we're going to get to anything near that. I have heard rumors that the course is going to play a little bit fa- faster and firmer than we have gotten in past iterations. Kind of the same answer I'd give there, like until I see something different, I don't know how much stock I'm putting into that. Like Yeah, it's nice to hear, but I hear that all the time, either at this course that it's going to be more difficult than usual or other courses on tour very rarely get past that number of like what you're expecting is probably going to reach 20 under par again. uh, I do think for this being a birdie shootout, it sometimes can provide a headache for us numerically when we do try to assemble our research for the week. Although the one thing I'm going to say about this course is despite this being the most accessible stop that players will get all year, the scoring dispersion marks for putting do tend to be at or below the PGA tour expectation level. Uh, Maybe that means strokes gained T to green might be a little bit more impactful, I looked at how somebody can gain strokes overall, kind of the whole encompassing measure there. But uh, at the end of the day, this is a birdie making course that no matter how you want to shake it, you're still going to have to make putts and you're still going to have to try to get the 20 under par if you want to win this contest.
0: There you have it. Um, this is going to be a birdie fest. So you're going to find guys that are going to be able to score low. That is for sure a fact this week. We're going to pull up the jazz board as a reminder. Um, I won last week in a landslide. Crushed it. Didn't know surprise, But of course, I wanted to give my man Spencer a chance to come back and get some redemption. So Spencer will be picking first. I will be going second. David third. Audience, you will be going fourth. And of course, you got the wheel. So you got two picks in a row. Start getting your nominations in on David's pick. Get them in early because you, again, you'll need to. And we don't have Sia here to shepherd the, the pick. So the more you guys can help us by getting your nominations and doubles in early, the better this draft will go. All right, Spence, with the first pick, you're on the clock. But let me caveat that by saying don't take my guy because I gave you the first pick. Thank you. Okay.
1: Back. I mean, I, I don't think this is going to be who you were going to take. Like, I was also in a position where I didn't necessarily want the first pick. I mean, granted, it ended up this way, and I'm never going to complain about that. Uh, I'm gonna take one of the most popular players on the board I'm gonna go with Adam shank at 9200 uh, there's a lot that I like about shake shank for this venue he has four top 27 finishes at this course if you look at what he's done recently though even on top of that it's those four top seven finishes in his last seven starts that really pushes this up the board for me it's one of those spots where the data course history and current form are all grading well for a player that I believe is Flirting with his first career win, I very easily could have made him in the ten thousand dollar range. I thought. I thought he was underpriced at this number, so I'll start with Adam Shank here and and start my build that way.
0: I like Adam Shank, and we saw Adam Shank come on at the end of last year, just playing as another tier up as a golfer. Right, he's just playing much better. This is a little bit of a weaker field. I think this could be a good spot for him. What's say you, Dave? Are you on Shank this week?
2: Yeah. Well. Spence may have not have stolen that pick from you, but he stole the pick from me because that's where I would have gone with my first pick as well. Schenk's one of my favourite players on the board. Um, we've seen not just what he can do at this course, but at other desert courses as well. And I think that's, the for me, the main narrative going in this week is the 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 course didn't really strike me as any, any one facet of your game needs to be extremely strong other than perhaps putting. Um, but there's certainly correlations between playing in altitude and playing in the desert and Adam Schenk's got an excellent record at like the TPC San Antonio at La Quinta at some of those other courses where um desert desert form is very very important and yeah his his approach play in particular the last like six months has been absolutely insane he's been um actually one of the best on the PGA tour um surprisingly enough and I think he's got that ideal recipe of um long driving distance can't find too much trouble off the tee unless you get really out of control and then um, good approach and, and making some putts. So really love that play.
0: There you have it. All right, I'm going to be with the second pick because there's three guys I really want. I figured they would all be available. They are. I'm now deciding which you know, should I take first and make sure I can get the other guys on the way back. Uh, I'm going to go with the guy. I just, I just have a feeling the guy I love the most with, the guy who I think is really going to win the tournament, and that's Erichel. Um, I think this course shapes up to be a really good fit for him. You know, the one area we have a little bit concerned about, Cole, is off the tee. That should be neutralized. This is fairly easy off the tee here, wide fairways. He shouldn't find too much trouble. And if that's the case, if his ball striking and his really strong around the green game are what we've seen the last couple weeks, like he's been doing, that is going to put him a big edge on the field and basically we come down to will really he makes some putts. We've seen him have weeks where he, he is spiked with the putter. If he does that this week, I do think he can go out there and win this tournament. Getting him under 10K is still one of the elite guys, but still a little bit of a discount. Feels like a great value for me here. Um, how about you, Spence? You playing Cole at all?
1: I have an outright on him. He was one of the first tickets that I punched this week at 40-1. to 1. I, I am curious to see where the ownership ends up, like – you know, it's hard to win a golf tournament when you rank outside the top 110 out of 186 qualifying players on tour in both distance and accuracy. I do think this is a really nice course fit for him where he can get around some of those problems. Um, He's on my short list. I have not removed him from my player pool yet. Um, It's going to probably be a decision of where do I want to go between him and, I mean, I guess I won't name names, but some players around him in that section. But uh, yeah, I mean, I, I certainly think he's under consideration. It's just you have to know what you're getting with the driving metrics with him.
0: For sure, for sure. And I think that's that's where he popped for me. It's the, you know, I'm going off the belief that the driver will get a little neutralized. And yeah. if that's the case, his biggest weakness gets neutralized. Everything else stands out. Um, that's where I kind of fell in love with him. David, you're on, you're up next to the third pick, but uh, tell us if you have any positive or negative feelings on Cole and then who you're looking at with the third pick.
2: I'm like a little bit more neutral on Cole than than perhaps you two guys. Um I what I would say is that when he played here last, he did miss the cut, but he also gained a ton of strokes putting um and lost heaps on approach. And we've seen what he's done on approach this year and how improved he's been. I mean, he's certainly rookie of the year on the PGA tour. So his his approach plays come round. So you, you know, you can figure if he keeps um, that hot putter that he had here last time and keeps the approach play, then that's going to be a pretty good recipe. Um, I'm just not sure that he's really done enough at other desert-style courses for me. Um, you know, so I had like a 36 at the American Express and a 39 at the, the Valero Texas Open, which are a couple of the key courses that I'm using to um, make some of my decisions this week. Um, so for my first pick, having had Adam Schenck stolen from me, um, I'm going to go actually way down the board. Um, to a player that I think is just getting consistently undervalued um, these last few weeks, and that's Eric Van Royen at um, 6,800. I mean, EVR's obviously had injuries towards the end of last year, and we saw his play deteriorate as a result. But the last four starts, he's gone 8th, 16th, 30th, 16th. Um, he's got excellent record in the desert. He was um, on the DP World Tour 4th at the um, Dubai Desert Classic. Now, that's like one of the flagship events as a Rolex Series event on the DP World Tour. You've got Roy McIlroy, Torhead, and Tommy Fleetwood, like all of the big names play in that tournament, and he finished 4th in that quality field over in the desert. Um, another course that I think profiles really well is probably some sneaky guidance um, for what you can expect to the Shriners. And then um, 14th at TPC San Antonio. And earlier this year, he was six at the, the Beauty Fest out at La Quinta um, at the American Express and, and PGA West. So for 6,800, I'm getting a ton of value, I feel, consistently gaining off the tee, gaining on approach the last four events. And he's just way, way too cheap um, for, for where he was. He opened at 150s, which um, if you're in Win Daily Discord um, and part of our premium membership, you would have got um, 150, and within 24 hours, that was down to 80, um, which is a much fairer reflection of his odds.
0: There you have it. I like the pick, certainly a great value, especially in this field. I think we say this type of thing a lot on the show, but I think this kind of is the epitome of – I wouldn't have batted an eye if Eric Van Nureen was in the high sevens or low eights and to get him in the 6K range in this field where I feel like he could easily have been up in that top tier – uh, certainly makes a lot of sense, especially for DFS. So I like that pick audience. You're on the clock. So I know it looks like there's nominations in picks are in. While wow, You guys are on it, good job audience. Welcome back. Before we take those, the audience picks fence, what
1: say you on Van Ruyen? I think he's very high ceiling, very low floor. Um, I think that makes sense for GPP contests and outright wagers I would have more trepidation if we're talking about matchups and things of that area. But I mean, if we're looking at the price tag of him under $7,000, he certainly has the potential to pop if he puts it together. He's pedigree wise of what we had seen with him pre injuries, you know, a golfer that would have probably been in the $8,000 plus range on this. So if he has turned it around, like David alluded to any of the data that you're running inside your model could be a little bit behind if, uh, if he is returning to form.
0: I love it. I love it. It certainly makes sense. Hey, I got to say, audience, great job. Gave you some heat at the beginning of the show. Needed you guys to get your speed up from last week. And on your first round, you did so. Two picks in. And I got to say, two solid picks at that. You stole my next pick. I was going to go with Hubbard next. I'm a little bit pissed about that. Grio also a solid pick. So, overall, great job. We'll go to you, David. Are you on Hubbard or Grio this
2: week? I'm probably not on either of them, to be honest. Um, I think there's better options in both of the ranges where those players fall. There you have it. How about you, Spence?
1: I will say yes to Hubbard and no to Griel. Wow.
0: All right, audience, you got some proving wrong to do this week. I like the start. I think those are two solid picks, uh, leaving you plenty of flexibility to finish out the roster all right David with your second pick you got room. you got plenty of money to spend who are you looking at here
2: yeah so I'm gonna go with um Bo Hosler who's another one who for me is is massively undervalued he's one of those players who um for me I'd rather go Bo Hosler than Mark Hubbard um Hosler's got that ideal recipe of driving distance um amazing putting and chipping as well he's played here five times he's made the cut every time including a seventh and a 23rd Um, And he is on a run of one, two, three, six out of seven um, made cuts with um, the majority of those coming. um, Well, with all of the made cuts actually being 30th or better. So um, making the weekend in this um, weaker field, I don't think it's going to be a problem for him. And he tends to find his way to the top of the leaderboard when he does.
0: There you have it, Bo Hostler. We've certainly seen him pop. Spence, is Bo Hostler in your player pool this week?
1: Yeah, I like Bo Hostler a lot. If you look in, in... I gave this story earlier and I'll tell it very quickly. One more time. One of the very first articles that I had ever written in this space was in 2017 for this Shriners tournament. And my headline for the article was that Bo Hosler was going to win the Shriners for his first career PGA tour victory. He held the lead going into Sunday co-lead with JJ spawn. It's the wind where it ravaged everything shoots a 73 catapults down the leaderboard in the wrong direction. I, uh, I don't know if he's going to win this event, but I'll tell you this for the production that he's put together here recently, this is way too cheap of a price. Like there's legitimate win equity here. And that's where I agree. Like, while I do like Hubbard this week and I don't have a problem with him being the player pool. Hostler is probably my favorite player down in that lower, um, $8,000 section there. I think there's a lot of win equity in that play. Well,
0: there you have it. Spence loves the pick. I'll be honest. I wasn't as high. I don't dislike the pick. um, but I don't think I was as high as the two of you. So, Bo Hostler, lock it in. I like it. All right. I'm up here with my third pick. And strategy, in terms of roster construction and what salary ranges in, are, are becoming a bigger factor than the spot. Especially as this, you know, 8K range, those guys are already two guys that could have been on your radar, are gone. I'm going to go ahead here and I'm going to lock in. Ooh, which one am I? I'm going to lock in Sam Ryder. Uh, I played him last week, came through for me, looked good. I'm a big Sam Ryder fan, 7,400. Looks like he's way underpriced for me. I like the way he's playing. I think he's going to be a good fit on this course. Um, I think he has plenty of upside, so it's another one of those, like like we said with Van Rooyan, I just think they put that number on him too low. I would have been happy with him in the low 8K, 8K range as well, so I think I'm getting a good value here with Ryder. How about you, David? Are you
2: on Ryder at all this week? Yeah, I think within that sort of like mid 7K range, he's one of the better options. Um, he's got a third and 18th year before, and he was third earlier this year at TPC San Antonio. And obviously, um, we've seen that at the last last um, little run, he's been making consistently making the cut as well. So the approach looks like it's um, come around the last few starts. And for me, it's just going to be, can he get red hot with the putter, um, which I think is really, really necessary at, at Summerlin to um, compile with score.
0: That's exactly right. I would agree. It's a matter of how hot can the putter be. And that's, but that's really going to be the formula for pretty much everyone this week. If, if you get strike a hot putter this week, um, you're probably going to do well. So that, that, that's going to be a big factor. Um, I like the call. Spence, are you on Ryder? And who are you looking at? You got two picks.
1: Yeah, Ryder was the first outright ticket that I punched this week when uh, FanDuel was hanging a 90-to-1 price on him released it on my Twitter that dropped to in the sixties within about an hour of that. So I think there's a lot of upside. He has a very interesting trajectory with his game right now where the putter has gone South and the iron play is making him one of the best iron players on tour. I think on this soft bent grass surface, we've seen just historically he ranks second in my model on that specific green complex. I think it's a really nice course fit for him. Um, yeah. I mean, it's an interesting spot I'm in right now. I was probably going to go Hostler and Ryder with my next two picks. So you guys, Managed to take those, so I mean, if it makes you feel any better, David, for the shank pick, and I mean, Joel, I guess you're up one on me right now with that. I am going to pivot, I am going to take a golfer that is extremely boomer bust in my sheet for a couple of reasons of just what he has produced here. But I am going to take JT Poston, like the statistical data, loved him. Uh, I probably didn't need to take him here. I don't think he was going to necessarily be rostered, but just makes it easier to figure out which way I want to go with this roster from here. Uh, He ranked first in my sheet for strokes gained total on TPC courses over the last year. Strokes gained total over the past 24 rounds of all golf played. He was number one in strokes gained on easy scoring venues with soft greens. And then number one again on strokes gained on bent grass surfaces. I don't really know why the course history has been as bad as it is. Uh, Very inconsistent with the driver. I would not necessarily expect that for a golfer that doesn't, he's inside the top 50 of my model for accuracy here. I I don't know why it's been so bad, but I'm going to bet on the 59th spot expected improvement that he did experience in way to proximity. I think this is one of those upside plays where if this pops and what we've seen recently, like if you're looking at this field in particular, I think Shank and Poston are two of the hotter players entering this contest. So I will start with JT post in. And then I will pivot. It's going to be some popularity here, I guess, which kind of counteracts the post and play. I'll take Andrew Putnam at 8,300. Uh, really good historically at these TPC properties. Um, inside the top 10 of my model in all iterations of how I ran it, the way to proximity is going to have to be better than it has been in the past with it, but the strokes gain total numbers are still inside the top five for me. Big increases on these soft bent grass surfaces. So uh, he's one of those names that it's like Hostler and Putnam and a couple other guys. They were like the one B to the names that didn't make my outright card at the end of the day. So I think getting the exposure for Putnam here is a really interesting way to go.
0: Boom. There you have it. Two solid picks. David, Are you looking at Putnam at all this week?
2: Yeah, I like like Putnam. Um, I think that a lot of people just like – within their thinking going into this week, just immediately jumped to driving distance. And that ne- hasn't necessarily been the tale of TPC Summerlin that we've seen statistically. Um, but I think a lot of people just think, you know, like, oh, Phoenix Open, you know, driver's is really important. So, you know, we're going to Vegas and it's the desert and we're going to need to use drive all the time. And it's not necessarily the case here. Um, what we do know with Putnam is that he's consistently putting them, right? Like he's one of the best putters on the PGA Tour. And um, that's going to be really key to success around Summerlin. He's got a good record um, Here for what it's worth. I think that, um, that, yeah, that's going to come into play. Having the advantage of seeing the course multiple times and consistently playing well. Um, same with Luke Quinter, he's got a good record there as well. And I like the post and play for what that's worth as well. I think that um, he's he's a good option. My only comment with Spence's lineup is that all three of those are like pretty highly owned in terms of projected ownership. So, um, Spence, let's hope that we can steal some picks from you um, coming back around and put you into some squirrely spots where you need to get a bit uncomfortable.
1: Yeah, Hostler was unfortunately going to be the one name to differentiate a lot of things. Like I'm seeing him at sub 8% right now, which is why I think he's such a quality play. And I didn't really envision the scenario where he would be off at the 202 coming back. But uh, I mean, we have, I'd like to think we have a very advanced draft every single week, like between us and the audience, uh, it's very competitive. So uh, I'm not shocked to see that pick by any means.
0: Yeah, you, man, I really like the post and play. Um, I think he's a really solid pick. I mean, the obviously the the, the major concerns there are the ownership and the price, but I, I think you can you can easily afford one of those guys up in that top ten, that ten k range, and still get a pretty balanced out without having to dip too low and take some dart throws. So um, I think Boston has elevated his game in the last season to just a better tiered golfer. Um, and in a field like this where it's watered down, these are those spots where posting can come through and get a get a victory even. So I am definitely behind that pick. All right, for my third pick here, um, I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to take Alex Smalley. Um, you know, again, this is a guy who is just playing really well. He's another one where I think they've tiered his price down. I would have thought he would have been at least in the low 9K range. We've seen him go on an absolutely nuclear streak with his ball striking. You know, he had that one at the FedEx in June where he kind of lost it. Other than that, his ball striking has been really superb. Um, he was he finished 16th at the Sanderson Farms last week. I think his form is good. He also gained strokes putting, which I, I, I don't really consider Smalley a great putter. If he's found something with the putter where he's putting better, he's hotter, then, you know, he can go out and win this tournament. So I like the trajectory that we're seeing with Smalley here. Good course fit, good price. Um, David, how about you? Are you playing small, you know this week?
2: Yeah, I think Smalley, Um, for me, just getting that ownership discount from some of those names around him is a, is a good shot. I mean, you've got Putnam, like, 15%. Smalley's going to be half the ownership. And, like, is Alex Smalley twice as unlikely to – well, is Putnam twice as likely to beat um, Smallie in this tournament? I, I would say no. I'd say they're a lot closer together. So in terms of getting a bit different, he's a really nice option. I thought he played nicely last week. For sure. How about you, Spence? Are you on Smalley at all this week?
1: Yeah, I think it makes logical sense for all the reasons that have been mentioned so far. Quality ball striker. You get the reduction a little bit in the par five scoring. You get that improvement. And in... I've always made the note that I think Smalley eventually gets his first win when he doesn't have to get four par fives. Um, I think there's a lot to like about him in that 8,500 range.
0: There you have it. I love it. All right, David, you got Van Ruyen you got Hostler Your third pick, who are you looking at?
2: Yeah, and I'm, I mean, I'm facing threats from the audience of, um, you know, that they've put you both on tilt and that, that now it's time to, to get back at me. So um, I'm just trying to work out who the audience might try and take of the guys that I like. Obviously, I've got a little bit more salary than the audience has at this point. So I'm going to go with um, the Desert Fox, Adam Hadwin. Um, we know that he can um, put lights out. He's got an excellent record whenever it comes to the desert. I mean, he's um, finished fourth, sixth, tenth in his um in three of his last four starts here. Um TBC San Antonio, he was um fourth last year as well. La Quinta, he's had um two seconds and third and the sixth and eighteenth. And so like he loves when he gets into the desert. We also haven't seen him since the BMW championship. And I think that's one of those things where like you can see that as a positive or a negative for me. The the negative is you could Suspect that he might have some rust and he gets some reps in. The positive is we don't really know like where his game's at. Like he could have just like absolutely been killing it at the driving range, um, you know, smashing on an approach. And people often will just like jump on data golf or fantasy national, or wherever they're getting the stats, and be like, oh three of his last four tournaments, Adam hadwin lost an approach. So I'm not going to play him." Well, that was like three months ago. So like, who knows where his approach is now? And I'd rather take that risk, especially in a GPP format that. He's returning to the desert, which he loves. Clearly got a very good record of this course. And um, I'm, I'm suspecting he's um, a class above those names around him.
0: There you have it. I like it. I like the Adam Hadwin pick. Certainly has a ton of upside. Great player. How about you, Spence? You want Hadwin at all?
1: I think it comes down to ownership for me. Um, I thought he was one of the best outright bets on the board when he opened. I don't love, and I mean, it's to David's point a little bit that we don't know where his game's at. I do know that leading into that, he had lost negative 3.24 shots per start to the green over the past five tournaments. Not necessarily saying that's a good or a bad thing. We don't know where things are at right now, but um, if everybody in the space sees the course history and all of a sudden he becomes 20% owned, I have some trepidation there. Now, if he's like a 8 to 12% owned golfer, I do think that there's leverage that can be created in that spot. So it's just going to come down to the ownership number, but uh, it kind of goes back to the point that David was talking about like any time that we're talking about GPPs or outright bets or anything like that. Like if you can be inside the top 10 of my model when I'm running it for a tournament in weighted strokes gain total and weighted scoring for the particular venue that you're on and you have also produced quality results almost every single year that you've played it, there's a reason why that there's a real like there's a real connection with him in this course.
0: Makes sense. Totally makes sense. I I like the play. You sold me on it. So I am with you, audience. You did a good job getting nominations in. Do we have doubles? Are we confirmed? I haven't been able to track all the way back. Spence or David, are you able to say if they're confirmed picks or just nominations?
2: I mean, yeah, they- I think we've got confirmed Harry, Harry Hall. And um, Ludwig Aberg. So um was waiting for, for Aberg to go off the board. I'm surprised that we kind of got to the, the third round. But um I think that just kind of speaks to the volatility that comes to this field. For me, this is one of the toughest events of the season to to tip just because um it is so volatile and relies so much on your um your putting. Um and we all know that putter can just go absolutely cold or just get red hot for anyone at any, any stage. Like they're all good putters. They're on a PGA tour. So um, yeah, I was surprised that Abu took that long, but that might be why it's just some of the volatility that comes with this tournament.
0: That totally makes sense. Listen, we've seen Aber play some really good golf. I- I'm with you. I'm not sure. I love the course fit with Aberg, but he's a good golfer and playing in this field. It's a weak field. So I, so- I certainly wouldn't write him off. That is for sure. Um, all right, David, you got your fourth pick here. Um, you spent up a little bit with habit with your last pick, you still have 8,600 average left. Who are you looking at here?
2: Yeah, I'm just gonna go, I think, with looking where everyone else is priced. I'm gonna go with um, Christian Bezadenhout. Um, I think mm. is my best route, just seeing where everyone else is going, salary rise. Um, Bezadenhout getting a nice discount on ownership, 8% ownership for me. Um, Six last start at the Sanderson Farms. I thought he looked really good. And then that was his, um, his first start for three weeks as well. Emirates Golf Club, Dubai Desert Classic. He's got a second there in that high-class field and um, a 20-second as well one look at this course, he finished 20th and then um, TPC San Antonio is 28th and La Quinta is 11th um, this year as well. So um, we know that he likes the desert. South Africans have done very well at this course um, before and um, CB is another very strong putter, which um, I'm trying to build um, around this team.
0: I love it. I love that pick. Um, I will be honest with you. I had CBAS marked as a guy that I was going to be drafted on my lineup. So that is a steal. Uh, I wasn't going to take him next, so, but I'm happy because I confirmed I wasn't getting them him either way. So I got to pivot, um, but it's definitely a good pick. I've all over c this week. How about you, Spence?
1: My model always likes and out. Top five for me in weighted strokes gain t- total for this course. Inside the top 15 for strokes gain total at TPC Properties. Uh, it's it's hard for me not to pick Bezayden out when I also see sub. I mean, I guess I maybe have a little bit higher. Then what David said, but I mean, I I don't have them inside the top 25 names right now in ownership. So I think you are going to get a leverage play with them.
0: I love it. I love it. All right. Well, now I'm starting to lose my guys here. I got to scramble, find some new picks. My first replacement pick is going to be Aaron Rod. Um, He's another one that, you know, we've seen him pop. I think as of recent, I think to the point you made earlier, David, I think people might look at data golf, look at the stats and say, well, you know, he might not be as hot as falling off, but I think the reality is he had gotten really hot last year, and toward the end of the swing, he cooled off a little bit, but that was still months ago, right? I think I'm looking at – Let me give me the guy that we saw for most of the summer, not just the last two tournaments at the end. Uh, I think we can see a glimpse of that here this week, and if we do in this kind of later tournament, this is one of those spots that I think Rye should be able to come up and compete, eliminate Rory and Rom. If he has one of those ball striking weeks that we've seen him have and he makes a few pots, Rye can certainly compete in this tournament. So at under 9K, I think the price is right. How about you, Spence? You playing Rye all this week?
1: I don't know if I love the price. He's inside of the top 25 of my model. I, I certainly understand why you would get there, but there are players that I guess we can talk about at the end that I would rather play over him when push comes to shove, but it's hard to give a negative review on somebody when they are still grading inside the top 25 year model. It just comes down to, you know, he's inside the top 15 of the price scale. So it's not some egregious difference between those numbers. It's just, you have to pick and choose your spots here. Like he's, he's definitely not somebody that I look at and I'm like, well, I'm out this week for whatever the reason is. It's just, you have to pick and choose your spots. And there are a couple names I would rather get to.
0: Totally makes sense. The way you win in DFS and in these tournaments is you got to make a stance. There's a lot of good golfers, right? And you got to not pick some of them and be right. And so I totally get it. Take your stance and be right. And that's how you make some money, spent. Who are you taking a stance on with your fourth and fifth pick?
1: I mean, I might end up with like a combined ownership of a million at this point. Um. I'm going to start with Chad Ramey. Um, I think there's a lot to like about Ramey here. So he's another one of those players that I keep talking about that delivers the course history, the current form, the statistical data. Back-to-back top 28 finishes at this course. That plays nicely with the consecutive top 19 finishes that he's done to start the fall season. And then the data looks really nice. He's one of only a handful of players that ranked inside the top 50 for every single category that I ran this week. So I thought it was too cheap of a price for Ramey. I'm going to go to Ramey first. Uh, I really would have liked to, at this spot, had a Bo Hossler. think that that's would have been a very nice spot to try to differentiate a little bit here. Instead, I am going to go with somebody who I see right now over 12%. I'm going to go with Thompson, not Lexi, Davis Thompson. I... Okay. Uh, when I think of Davis Thompson, and, and I think David said this best, this is not necessarily a venue where you might see TPC, you might see easy scoring and think bombs away on it. I, I think there's more to this course than that. I did weigh my model with a 60-40 split of accuracy over distance. But even with that coming into the mix here, Davis Thompson still graded inside of the top 12 for me in my model. It's Probably a reason why he came 12th here last year. The current form has looked great here, even if we date this back to the Wyndham before the fall season started. So that would be three consecutive top 30 finishes. He's great in my model on strokes gain putting on soft bent grass. And then you add these easy scoring conditions and he really sees a boost for me. So uh, one of the safer players that I had in my model inside of the $7,000 section who actually still carried a great deal of win equity for me. So I'll go with him. I don't really know how I'm gonna round this out at this point because I do have to find some sort of a contrarian play to to finish out this lineup, but uh I guess I have about 10 minutes to do that.
0: <laughs> all right, all right, David. What say you? Are you on Ravy or Thompson Raimi or Thompson at all this week?
2: Um, I really like the the Davis Thompson play. Um, we tipped him up and um when um, when odds first got released, and uh, he's since come in from there, uh, he was twelfth year on debut, and then he was um, second as well as at the the putting contest at the, the American Express. So, really like that his two desert starts, he's finished twelfth and second, sixteenth um, last week as well at the Sanderson Farms. And you know, as, as Spence said, I really like the combination of he's got driving distance and accuracy, but then he's um, he's able to get hot with the putter, and I think that he's uh, a very very promising young talent and. The Shriners has kind of had a habit of um, identifying some of these like young stars. Um, Tom Kim came through, obviously, with um, victory here last year. And then um, Tiger Woods actually got his first BGA to the victory at the Shriners. So um, it's uh, had a good record of, of identifying young talent. And uh, Davis Thompson entering his um, second year, certainly one of those. Don't mind the chair, had Raimi play either. Um, do like that 19th and 16th, his last two starts. And had one look here, finished 14th and then second. Um, start finished 28th. So, 14th, 28th, not the worst. Um, course record.
0: There you have it. I like it. I like it. All right. Uh, with my fifth pick here, I'm gonna go ahead and I'm gonna lock in Doug Gim. Uh, I think Doug Gim is a good quarterfest. I mean, the big, big question mark with Doug is gonna be his ability to make putts. He's gonna have to find a hot putter. He's not historically a good putter. Um, I don't have a lot of reasons to, <laughs> to tell you why I think he might make putts. But I do think his ball striking is good, and that should be above the field average. And I need to get a little luck for him to find a hot putter. I will say his putter has improved this year, as it historically has been. So maybe over the time off, he's built on those little improvements. And w- with a putter, I think Dub Gim is as good as anybody in this field. But, you know, that's a, that's a big ask for him to get that putter. What about you, Spencer? Are you looking at Gim at all this week?
1: I mean, I can give you a statistical answer inside of my model of why he would be more likely to make putts, I guess. so. Yes, please. 87th in strokes gain putting in this field over a two-year running model. He jumps up inside of the top 60 when you throw him on this soft bent grass surface. So maybe the grass type actually does help out the ball striking for him. Um, Feels like a decent bounce back spot. I I thought after round one, like I I bet him to win the tournament at 55 to one and he ends up missing the cut. Like this might be a good opportunity to get back on Doug Gim. Curious to see where the ownership lands, but I I wouldn't look too much into what happened last week. He still has had seven consecutive rounds of shooting par or better.
0: I think it's a really good point. You made especially with guys who missed the cut, like a recent week. You know, I look at what happened. Like if you see one of those days, they were really good. And the second day kind of caused them to miss the cut and then miss it close. Like, that's a whole different story than somebody who goes out and shoots 75, 76. So, um, you know, he, he played decent golf. He didn't even have a terrible second day. Wasn't great, and that caused him to miss the cut. But I think that the missed cut looks worse in the actuality of how he's playing. So I agree with you. I think a bounce-back spot this week is certainly in the cards. All right, David, you have plenty of money left to spend. You got four picks. Who are you looking at here with your fifth pick?
2: Well, we are going to vegas this week and we all know that going to vegas that it's a bit of a gamble so there's two different routes i can go towards the end of this so what i'm going to do is if the lucky ball marker chip lands on tpc Summerlin, i'm going to be taking matthew naismith and if we land on the china's children's open we're going to be taking lucas herbert <laughs> And so it's TBC someone. So we're going Matthew Naismith. Um, I like Matthew Naismith's um, form here. He is um, obviously has an extreme liking for the course. Um, I think he's got great ability on approach and the um, ability to get hold with the putter. And I just think he's really undervalued at seventy one hundred. Some question marks, I guess, in terms of his ownership, just given the course history is so good. Um, he is going to be a little bit higher owned in that range. He'll be about eleven percent, which you know for the low seven Ks is quite high. But um, I think the the course history really speaks for itself when it comes to him.
0: There you have it. Matthew states of a known ball striker. Um, Spence, are you looking at Naismith at all? And before you answer, audience, don't forget, you're on the clock. Get your nominations in. Need to be doubled. It looks like Sia is in the chat. Also tagging his man, Ramy who we mentioned last week. We know Sia loves Ramey, Um, And Sia helping the audience out. But don't forget, he's still got two more picks to round up this lineup. Got to be under 7,500 average for each pick. Spence, Naismith, are you playing this week?
1: It's hard to look against the course history. Like, I don't know how you can say a negative thing about him when he's gone second, 14th, eighth, 18th in the last four years. You look at the betting market, like one of the things I like to at least look at is, am I getting a better price on DraftKings than what the betting market would be when you rank the players? And uh, Naismith is the biggest significant difference that I have in my sheet. 48th in rank in his dk position, 32nd on the betting board, uh, 16 spot difference there. So, um, I mean that's usually a pretty good corollary if you can find the betting market there and kind of equate it to what the price is on DraftKings, you can at least see where the sports books are trending to where their biggest differences would be from what DraftKings put out.
0: That makes sense. Certainly a really good strategy to have a way to kind of get an edge and find, you know, where the smart money is is moving. I like it. All right, audience, you're up. I see a lot of activity in the chat. I'm scrolling up to see who you picked. I'm just confused. Um, Do we have is Webb Simpson the first pick? Because it looks like Webb was mentioned by Zach and then Brent.
2: I think Troy Merritt's doubled up from the looks of it. Okay.
0: I agree. I think Merritt's definitely one. I don't really feel confident about second. If anything, it feels to me like it's Simpson. Um, I almost feel bad giving you Simpson. (laughs) And that's so mean, especially with Spencer, his best friend, on the show. Um, But we have to go somewhere, and I will lock in Merritt. We did that. While, While we... I guess Higo... Seems fair. And Higo has been mentioned. I'm going to say this. I'm going to give the audience five more seconds to tell me it's not Higo and some, it should be somebody else. If not, we're going to lock in Higo. And while I give you those five seconds, we'll go to you, David. Are you on merit at all this week?
2: I guess it's, a, it's probably a similar answer for me to what I'd give for um, like Doug and Aaron Ryan you know some of these other guys who we're just kind of relying on them finding a putter. And for me, TPC Summerlin's just like you—you you have to make putts. Like you really do need to get extremely hot with the putter. And I don't want to put too many options in my lineup that that I'm relying on them to suddenly make a huge jump with um, with their putting acumen um so that that I guess would be my answer with, with Troy Merritt I mean what he's done the last two starts seventh and ninth like that that for itself speaks um volumes of the form he's in um but yeah I just I would have some concerns that the flat stick might misbehave
0: interesting interesting I like it all right I'm gonna lock in Higo as the last pick I think that seems fair it looks like the audience's consensus agreement Higo is who they want so Higo is who it is um I don't, I hope there's not a Hago gate on our hands, but I, so, someone had to step up and see in the audience. We needed you to step up here and, and finalize the pick. I, I know Sia's saying, suck, like the golfer, but it's kind of like he's saying, huh? I know what's going on. Anyway, bad joke. Um, Hago, a golfer I like. So I'm not like in love with him this week. It's not, to me, maybe not the most perfect course fit, but a lot of the guys in that 7500 to $8,500 range, were, you know, we were there. We, we we took a lot of those guys. So you had limited options for what you had. I think Hago was the right pick. How about you, Spence? Are you playing Hago at all this week?
1: I'm not. Um, he has a UNLV background, which is probably a good thing. And the one thing I just want to say about Webb Simpson that, Joel, you may not have put merit into, uh, no pun intended on that, but I uh, this is essentially a home game for Webb Simpson. Like, you know how, you know, how in like football games or, or college basketball game, maybe that's a better example. Like, those home court advantages are worth X amount of points. If Webb decides to drop the restraining order from me and actually just lets me cheer for him, this place is going to be mayhem out there, and Webb is going to win this event. So, I uh, don't discount that possibility. That's a really good point.
0: You you can think about it this way when Udonis Haslam plays games in Miami. <laughs> the lock, right? My at home. It's a home game for him. Like, they're not losing to anybody. So, that point is well taken, I think. And I mean, obviously, it also helps that Webb is staying at his, I would assume you, Webb is staying with you at his best friend's house. So, not like a typical travel day. That all totally, totally makes sense. Audience Lab looks, you know, I don't love it. I'm going to be honest, audience. No, I was going to say it was okay, but now that I'm looking at it, no, I don't see it. It's not this week. It's not your week this week. I'm rooting for you guys. I really am, but uh, it's going to take probably another week before you guys get a victory, in my opinion. David, you got one pick left, plenty of money to spend. Who are you looking at?
2: Uh, I love the, the brutal honesty you wrote at the end. <laughs> it was great. Um, I, I, speaking of, hometown advantage rather than Higo probably would have gone who Sia chucked out there which is Justin Sa. I mean we know what he can do with the putter um and this is a home game from him um UNLV product as well um eighth here on debut and um yeah I mean he's gained in a big way on approach for the last two tournaments he's played in which isn't actually typically where we see Justin sa make his strokes um it's with the putter in which which I'm waiting pretty highly at TPC someone. So that's where I would have personally gone with that that last pick. Um yeah, plenty of money, and I guess it's pretty obvious where I'm gonna go and spend this um with Cam Davis. Um, first, I guess my misgiving with Davis is that he hasn't necessarily had the best form on desert courses. And saying that, he's played this four times, he's made the cut every single time. Um, and that the worst of those results with a 50 second other than that, it's always been in the top 40. Um, he's got driving distance. We know they can part really well. It's more just the recent form. I think that Cam Davis is really elevating this game and perhaps turning, like he's 28 years old, but perhaps turning into that product that we thought and identified in terms of his, um, his abilities. I mean, he's finished top 10 in four of his last five starts. Um, so you can't say much more than that in terms of his recent form. He's playing very, very well. And, um, yeah, if he can, um, turn it around at this course and find something he likes in it. I think that he's, uh, he's definitely got upside to, to go and win it.
0: Yeah. I mean, certainly a really good golfer Cameron Davis in this field certainly has a talent to win the tournament. So with your last pick to sneak him into your lineup, I certainly like that pick. What say you Spence, Are you playing Cameron Davis at all this week?
1: Yeah, I, I, I think so. Um, like the answer I keep giving is obviously it comes down to ownership at the end of the day here. So now that we've gotten to this point, I, I think it's safe to power rank some of these players. So I, I think there is a, a big increase on the O'Bear, Tom Kim, Cameron Davis, JT Poston. I would say those four and then Adam Shank are the five best players in this tournament. I think every name down from there, there's some question marks that I have of how much exposure that I actually want to get with them. So, you know, it's just going to come down to which one of those names do I cut right now? I probably lean if you made me cut one, it would be O'Bear just because he's played so much golf. He's traveled across the country. I know we talked last week about he was running on fumes a little bit. Maybe he's a young enough kid that he can get around that. But uh, obviously we can't play everybody. So as of right now, like I would rather play Cameron Davis than Eric Cole and some of those names when directly picking between them. So I, I think he's in my player pool as of this moment.
0: There you have it. I like it. I like it. All right. With my last pick, I uh, I had to pivot a bit here because a lot of the guys I was going to take are gone. I almost made a really gross pick, as well, I was going to pick, but then I realized I had better options. I didn't have to do that. But well, I'll just say the guy I was considering was Taylor Montgomery. And the thought process was, was that his ball striking has just been so bad that it's like, how can you consider that? But like, we've seen the putter get so hot that, like, if we want to think that, you know, you almost can neutralize the ball striking somehow a little bit and just get a red-hot putter that he can come and compete. I was reaching. I I've decided I found a better option, so I'm not going with Montgomery. I'm going to go ahead and take Matt Wallace here. Uh, Matt Wallace is a guy that we saw pop last season. He won one of those JV tournaments. I think it was down in Mexico last season. Um, But his form looks good. He, he got tied for six at the Alfred Dunhill Lynx Championship. That was just last week. So he's playing good golf. A lot of people, you know, you have to click in to see that. Like, that doesn't show up in, in some of the other fantasy national data and stuff that like you see there because it's on the, the world tour. So I like his current form. He's only 7,500. Um, is he the best course fit? Probably not, but he can he can get a hot ball striking week. He's good around the green. They make Again, it's, it's going to come down to who will find a hot potter this week. I think if he does, we'll see a good result out of Matt Wallace. Um how about you, David? Are
2: you looking at walls this week? I'm not. I guess the answer that I'd give would be uh, related to to what happened last week. I mean the the Alfred Dunhill Links was just so affected by weather, with like the bank bursting at Carnoustie and the course getting absolutely flooded and being unplayable for two days, and then it went into a Monday finish. So he's had to hang around in in Scotland for probably a little longer than he's wanted to. Then going from like a pretty grueling test has to fly all the way across the Atlantic to, to Las Vegas. So um, I wonder if fatigue becomes a bit of an issue in that regard. And and we've seen this with Matt Wallace before, like he's, he's done this where he steps back down to that DP World Tour where he's really comfortable and like comes out and finishes like third, like, instantly despite being in dreadful form on the pga tour but he's really struggled at the pga tour level and hasn't shown the same promise and i i would have thought you know i didn't mind the montgomery play because he, he as well as a, a unlv product, and he's got the the las vegas links there so um i wouldn't mind that or like even a patrick rogers who we know we can get really really hot with the putter as well um i think that was an interesting route you could have gone with there Man, I will be. And upset. if you're going to slag off the audience, then then I have to have the liberty to slag off Joel's audience in defense. So. No, that's
0: totally fair. And I will say, now that you've said that, that hurt. And now if Montgomery ends up having like a top 10 finish and Wallace misses the cut and that's my only miss, I'm going to be upset. That's what That yeah, one's no. going to hurt. That one's going to hurt. So let's just hope that doesn't happen. Let's just hope for a better result. Um, but overall, I think I'm, I'm pretty happy with my lineup here. Spence, you got one pick left. You have the same amount of money left as me. So I wonder if you will right my wrong and take the right player. Who are you looking at with your last pick?
1: So this is a funny spot because I was deciding between three players. Taylor Montgomery was one of them. The other one would be Patrick Rogers. I think I'm going to go with the third name here who has the least upside of any of them, but (laughs) I'm trying to get unique with this lineup a little bit. Uh, just what? before
2: you do, before yeah. you do, just think about the fact that what great TV you would make if you take Taylor Montgomery here and he goes out of <laughs> like, top five.
1: I mean, I think if I was like directly picking between the two, I would probably rather have Patrick Rogers just because Montgomery has been so bad off the tee. Um, I mean, I could take Patrick Rogers still, but I, I'm going to leave some money on the table here. I don't know how much I love this. I'm gonna take Cheston Hadley. He's gonna be popular, but uh, it at least makes the lineup different by leaving 600 bucks on the table. A lot of numbers really like him. Place him inside the top 25. I think if you're shooting for pure upside here and you're trying to really differentiate this lineup, I, I do think the Montgomery and Rogers routes, and, and even for that matter, I think S.H. Kim is a little boomer bust too with it, but. Uh, I didn't necessarily want to go the SH Kim route when I already have all the popularity I did and leaving the exact number or close to the exact number on the table with it. So at least this was a way that I can feel good about myself knowing that, yeah, I have a chalky lineup, but I left money on the table and made it different in that fashion. Yeah, I, I like
0: the Hadley pick. I think that was a good, for what you had left, the options you had, I think that was, uh, that was a nice pick. I mean, ownership's a little bit of a concern, but I think you're right. That's a, the, the leaving $600 on the table is a way to be different I don't think that lineup will be duplicated. So I think you get a really strong lineup here. That's a wrap for this draft. Don't forget to give us a follow. Hit the like button. It goes a long way. Um, We are going to look back, crown the winner next week. Good luck to the audience, but give us a vote. Let us know which lineup you think is going to win before it comes to reality um, so we can come back and talk smack on each other based on where we thought we were. Tonight, But we're not done yet. Before we wrap up this evening, I'm going to pull the draft board down and we will give you our first round leader plays. But don't forget, before we give these out, tune into Discord where we will update you on weather, where we update you on tea times. um, Ownership, Stephen's ownership article comes out tomorrow. It is super accurate, it is super helpful, especially in a field like this, to understand where you can find leverage. Uh, And those updates will be going throughout Discord. So everyone will be on the same page. So definitely tune into that. But for now, for the first round leader plays, we'll start with you, David. Who are you targeting in the first round leader market?
2: Yeah, interesting enough. I mean, we do generally like to go with the morning times when it comes to first round leaders that makes a lot of sense the winds tend to be calmer tends to be if there is any moisture around that it's there in the morning after the dew's kind of like settled in and then dries out and gets firmer and faster as the day goes on i'm kind of going the opposite way this week i just see that there's um quite heavy winds in the morning on thursday morning and it looks like it's going to die down as the the afternoon gets gets going um, I don't know if that's going to be the best play because it will get firmer and faster result. It probably ends up being pretty even. Um, but yeah, I'd just like to be perhaps a bit different and go the afternoon this time. So for all those afternoon tea times, I like Adam Hadwin. You can get him at 55 to 1. Um, and I like, sorry, I'm just going to wait for my page load, Matthew Naismith, um, who just, of course, has the, the epic um, course form here never finished outside the top 20 on four starts and you get them at seven to one to be first round leader. That seems um, very, very generous.
0: There you have it. I like it. I like it. All right, Spence, who are you looking at in the first round leader market?
1: Yeah, I decided to go with the morning guys, just because Taylor Montgomery's talked about the, the venue making a concerted effort to make this a little bit speedier this week. Uh, maybe David's right where it ends up neutralizing it on both sides, but, uh, two of my favorite plays this week ended up in the morning. So it's just going to be a two man card. Andrew Putnam, 55 to one JT Poston 45 to one.
0: I like it. I like both plays. Uh, for me, I have a couple plays I'm going to share with you. Uh, I really like Mark Hubbard 60 to one. Uh, I'm also going to go to back to my draft pick, Sam Ryder at 65 to one. I think we're getting too big of a number on my first overall pick, Eric Cole at 50 to one. To me, this is another week. that is like a good week to target first round leader. Eliminate a lot of the top tier. Most of this field is closer talent wise than it would be in a normal tournament. So you can find those 50 to one plus numbers and guys that have as realistic a shot as any to actually hit. So take your shot this week. We're going to have some fun with it. Like I said, let us know which lineups you think are going to win. Report back who how your team did in your lineups. And if you pick the right team when we crown the winner next week, good luck. Did I forget anything?
2: I'm surprised Tom Kim didn't get talked about on the show. So that, that would be who I, um, I, I, I do like Lucas Herbert here. Um, his desert form, particularly at – the Dubai Desert Classic, where he's never finished worse than 20th in like six starts, um, is really promising for a very, very hot putter. But um, I think Lucas Herbert and Tom Kim were two players probably missing on the draft board this week. Yeah.
1: Just, yeah very, very. No, I was just going to say very quickly I, I think if you were to ask me who should be the favorite to win this event, I, I think it should be Tom Kim. So I'll we'll just double say, down
0: on that. I was feeling bad, and I'm glad you said that. The Tom Kim wasn't even mentioned. So nonetheless, he was mentioned. He's out there. If he goes to wins the tournament, obviously we told you. So you can give us credit for it. Good luck this week and sports.